Welcome to HSBC Global Viewpoint, the podcast series that brings together business leaders and industry experts to explore the latest global insights, trends, and opportunities. Make sure you're subscribed to stay up to date with new episodes. Thanks for listening, and now on to today's show. This is a podcast from HSBC Global Research, available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Search for HSBC Global Viewpoint or join us via the HSBC Global Banking and Markets page on LinkedIn. However you're listening, analyst certifications, disclosures and disclaimers must be viewed on the link attached to your media player. Hello and welcome to Under the Banyan Tree with me, Harold van der Linde, Head of Asia Equity Strategy at HSBC. On the podcast today, new leadership and tighter regulations in Asia's largest economy. China's National People's Congress has drawn to a close. We're going to talk through the key takeaways of this event with two members of our China economics team, Jing Liu, she's the chief China economist, and her colleague, greater China economist, Erin Zin. It's a story that takes us from the seat of national power to the everyday lives of working citizens in China. And it's coming up right here under the banyan tree. Well, thank you, Jing and Erin, for uh, joining us on the podcast this uh, this week. We're going to talk about the NPC, the National People's Congress. Uh, Jing, let's kick off with you. Uh, what is this actually? What is this forum? Thank you, Harold, for having us. So this is a National People's Congress, basically held once every year, usually in the March. And uh, the legislators in the country will gather together, decide the important things, including the growth target and lots of other targets, as well as important legislation to be introduced to the country in the coming year. This year is special too, because every five year, China will have the government reshuffle. So this year we have the new appointment of all the uh, important state institutions, including the premier, vice premiers, and also PBOC governor and uh, other important ministers. Okay, well, let's unpack that first then. So what are some of these key important uh, appointments that have come through? The new premier is uh, Li Chang, who used to be the party secretary of Shanghai. Mm -hmm. And previously, he has been uh, basically either party secretary or governor in the Yangtze River Delta region. Yeah, I think he's in the past worked with Xi Jinping in, in uh, in that region, correct? Yes, yeah, uh, exactly. And another two vice premiers also come from the Politburo Standing Committee, mm-hmm. including He Lifeng, who used to be the uh, director of uh, National Development and uh, Reform Planning, Commission. Yeah, 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 that's right. And uh, Ding Xuexiang, um, mm. you know, who's also holding the uh, high-ranking position and work with uh, President Xi for a long time. Mm-hmm. Also, at the minister level, several positions are retained, including the PBOC Governor Yi Gang, mm. Finance Minister Liu Kun, as well as Commerce Minister Wang Wentao. Now that's that was a bit of a surprise, right? Because the market expected there would be changes, as normally happens. But clearly, they've decided that on the economic team that they want some stability or continuity. Right, exactly. I think the continuity is actually perceived uh, positively by the market because this signals the um, unwavering support for the economy going forward. Yeah. So, Erin, in the discussions that the two of you are having 
with other economists. Um, what are some of the key topics that people are looking at uh, with regards to this NPC? So one of the key uh, takeaways from the MPC is around the GDP target. Yeah. So there's a lot of focus around that. And this year, um, the GDP target came at around 5%, mm-hmm. which kind of missed expectations. We mm-hmm. had expected they would set something at above 5%. Mm-hmm. So I think that there was some initial reaction that, oh, maybe they're taking the foot off the, the gas yeah. and you know, stepping back. But that's actually not the case. Um, when we look into some of the details, like the fiscal budgets, there's actually more expansionary fiscal support there. Mm-hmm. They've increased the special local government bond issuance that typically goes to infrastructure investment, which mm-hmm. was a key driver for growth last year. So they're really trying to continue some of these drivers there. So they remain a kind of a pro-growth uh, mentality. Uh, is that fair to say? Yeah, that's exactly right. I think that, you know, China last year growth had slowed considerably given the COVID-19 situation, and we're still very much in a recovery phase. Mm -hmm. Some of the high frequency data does show that the activity is picking up, but there's still pressures in the economy. And I think that's why they've set the target at, you know, at a reasonable pace of around 5% growth. Okay. And also, I think it's important, you know, after last year's miss of uh, 2.5 percentage point, they want to uh, probably earn on the conservative side yeah, to make imagine. sure they set a target which is de- deliverable yeah. and reflective of the ongoing pressures. Yeah. Um, what about monetary policy? Have they said anything about that? So the language around monetary policy is very continuous. Um, They want to be prudent, but still support the economy while managing financial risk. I think this wasn't too much of a surprise. Um, So overall, they're still being fairly accommodative here. And I think that our expectations are that they'll continue to provide more of the policy support from the fiscal side in order to allow that recovery to solidify. I think more interestingly is that they did not mention the macro leverage ratio, um, Mm -hmm. keeping that stable. Meaning the amount of debt that's in the system, right? Debt as a percent of GDP. So what this means in our in our interpretation is that there's more flexibility in allowing credit growth this year. So credit growth, extending more investment into the real economy, um, which translates into, you know, your business investment, but also more into the property sector, which had been under considerable pressure last year. Yeah. Um, I just want to go back to Premier Li Chang, who's now being appointed. Um, he gave his first speech to China to present himself, you could say, to the rest of the world as well. Jing, what was your impression of that uh, speech? Right. At the press conference, uh, interestingly, he opened the discussion by saying, actually, you know, for people um, in the country, they don't care so much about the headline GDP growth rate. They care more about their own jobs, their mm-hmm. homes, and then uh, probably their savings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I understand he's also mentioned that it's important sometimes to roll up your sleeves, right, and go into the paddy fields and, uh, and, and talk to farmers and uh, kind of uh, having your feet on the ground in making decisions. Is that correct? Right. He said that uh, when you sit in the office, you see lots of problems. But when you go to the fields, you see lots of solutions. Yeah. Okay. So that's a kind of a different approach that he's trying to um, portray, I would say. We'll see how that, uh, what that takes us in, in the next couple of years. Time now for a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk new rules around financial regulations that were made official at the NPC.
So, Jing, there's also been talk about institutional change. What does that really mean? What are they talking about? Right. So this time, the NPC approved the restructuring, reorganization of the ministries under the state council, mm. and several important changes, including um, you know upgrading the ministry, which looks after the technology innovation mm-hmm. um, industries, etc., and also uh, to establish a new data bureau. Mm-hmm. And the third one, probably uh, most closely to the capital market, is overhaul of the financial regulatory regime. Mm. Yeah, and I believe this, the, the idea is to have a, lot, a new kind of supervisory body uh, that is going to be uh, established over time as well, right? That's right. That's part of the change. Actually, um, in the uh, overhaul, we will see PBOC from now on will specialize in monetary policy and macroprudential policies. Mm-hmm. And uh, this newly established regulatory administration will be in charge of the microprudential regulation for all but the securities sector. And also, it will consolidate all the consumer and investor protection across the whole financial industry. And for the security regulator, the CSRC, it will now not only oversee the um, capital market uh, security sector in particular, and also it will consolidate the uh, bond issuance approval. Mm -hmm. Um, Previously, the duty uh, was split between the NDRC and CSRC. Okay, so we've had personnel changes, we've had changes in supervision and departments, a lot of reshuffling taking place. So Jing, is this a story of trying to control the economy more or is this more of a story of them trying to streamline and ensure better coordination between these uh, different supervisory bodies? I see it as a streamlining of the regulatory uh, responsibilities because mm-hmm. previously there's blurred boundary and sometimes a regulatory vacuum. And after the restructuring, now it's very clear who's in charge of uh, which. And in particular, mm-hmm. uh, having this new established uh, body to look after the investor and consumer protection actually enable it to basically uh, you know, look at the new financial activities and new entities and bring them under the same regulatory uh, standard. Okay, that's that's good to see. So it's all about setting themselves up for the future. So Erin, what does that mean for the longer run for China? So China is right now very much in a recovery phase, but that doesn't mean that they're shying away from uh, longer term goals. And that really means that they want to increase the quality of their growth. Mm. China is facing some structural challenges, such as an aging population. And some of the old growth drivers are no longer going to be as punchy as before. So in order to develop these longer term growth drivers, they're trying to increase things like productivity from technology. technology, innovation, um, manufacturing upgrading, and also to move towards their longer-term green development goals, uh, which is the 2030-2060 peak carbon emissions and carbon neutrality goals. So kind of what they want to do with the longer run hasn't really changed that much, uh, I could could say. But the people and the way they want to do it and get there, that's really changed. Yeah, I think that the policy making is very much still focused on the longer term, and they are doubling down on that. I think when you look at some of the specific measures, they are channeling more support in these targeted fields. Industries yes. and fields, that's right, yeah. 
Can I ask you a question, Harold? Absolutely. Last time we talked about、uh, the investors' preference,、uh, you know, A shares or H shares. Yeah. So after the NPC, do you think that has changed the way the market is thinking? Yep. So first of all, the A share market, so that's Shanghai, more traditional, right? And the H share market is in Hong Kong, and that has got more internet names in it. So the composition of these two markets differs, and the dynamics therefore differs as well. In particular, the Hong Kong market is very sensitive to what happens globally, with, in particular with bond markets, and we've seen quite some movements in these markets in the last couple of days.、Um, nothing to do with the MPC. That's got more to do with developments in the US and, and in Europe as、uh, as well. So that really impacts the eight-share market to a large extent. In the long run, in the equity space, we're looking for those areas in the economy or in the market that will continue to grow. And we go back to what Erin was talking about. We know that they want to be self-sufficient in certain high-end technologies. They want to be self-sufficient in food and in energy. Yeah, this green drive also means that you are not as reliant on external energy、uh, supply, but more on wind and solar, which is. Domestically generated.、Um, now, those are the whole industries that are formed around it, and we typically look at those parts of the industries where, yeah, people don't have to raise a lot of capital,、uh, but where they can grow without putting too much additional money in, in place in solar, in wind,、uh, semiconductor equipment,、uh, and and these sort of things. But also the consumer sector. Um, uh, but again, yeah, the dynamics are different there. So I don't think we, the NPC in itself changes、um, the way we look at China in that regard. But we have to see, of course, over time what new policies will come out. This whole new leadership、uh, team that has now been presented to us. So maybe for me to summarize it, we now have a new leadership team in place in China. A lot of the new leaders seem to know Xi Jinping quite well. They've worked with him in in the past. They、uh, have a history together. They've reshuffled the way they want to have、uh, the function of institutions and supervision over these in order to allow for better coordination. But actually, kind of the longer term growth trajectory that they're looking for that hasn't really changed to a large extent. On that note, Jin and Erin, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you, Harold. Thank you for having us. And、that's a wrap for this week's podcast. Many thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week, putting Asian markets and economics in context. Talk to you then. Thank you for joining us at HSBC Global Viewpoint. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Make sure you're subscribed to stay up to date with new episodes.